0: One of the faults of human nature is that we too often forget. I was talking to somebody today, I've forgotten where, on the phone about how easily we forget uh, what uh, the Lord's done for us and uh, the good things that have been ours to enjoy. We sometimes just take those things for granted. And we need to be reminded so very often of what the Lord has done for us. I'd like for you to turn your with, you, with me in your Bible once again to the book of Proverbs, and this evening I, we'll look again in the very first chapter, but we'll look at verses 1 through 4, Proverbs chapter 1 and verses 1 through 4. I felt like at least I should go back to the first part of this chapter and uh, give you a uh, a reason, the purpose behind the writing and the giving to us of the book of Proverbs. So we'll look in chapter 1 and reading beginning at verse 1 and just down through the fourth verse. The scripture reads in this manner, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. What a marvelous and amazing book is the book of Proverbs. But this book is no exception to the rule that liberal and modernistic theologians have tried to do to other books in the Bible. They have often tried to discredit the authorship or at least the penman of some particular book. But I do not think if you are a Bible believer, there will be any question as to the fact that Solomon is the penman of the majority of these Proverbs. Now, you can take that with, uh, with one exception, and that is where there is an exception clearly indicated that it is the proverb or the saying of someone else. We are told by some that Hezekiah undoubtedly penned in some of the, the, the Proverbs that are here. But three times over, the the book of Proverbs indicates Solomon as the penman of this particular book. Here in the very first verse that we have read, it is a clear identification that Solomon is used of God to give to us these instructive words. Again, you'll find the same thing that is stated in verse 1. You'll find the same thing stated in chapter ten and verse one, and then you'll find it once again in the twenty ninth, uh, the twenty fifth chapter and the first verse. Again, the statement is given: Solomon is the author, the penman of these inspired proverbs. So, I think as far as uh, by way of introduction. And who is the penman, I think it goes without explanation. It is indeed self-explanatory. I want you to look with me at nine different reasons or nine things that Solomon endeavors to accomplish in passing down to us these inspired words. And those nine things are found right here in these four verses. Let me just give them to you briefly, and then we'll come back and look at them. One of the things that he seeks to accomplish is that we can know wisdom and instruction. The second thing he says is that we can perceive the words of understanding. Again, he says that we might receive the instruction of wisdom. The fourth accomplishment that he desires is that of justice. The fifth, judgment. The sixth is equity. Again, the seventh, to give subtlety to the simple. And number eight, to give to the young man knowledge. And finally, to give discretion. Now, if we can have these elements in our life, we cannot help but be successful in the eyes of God as well as becoming a a good citizen and a good Christian. Now, first of all, Solomon says in verse 1, to know wisdom, to know wisdom, now wisdom is the ability to draw judgment both in moral and spiritual matters. And I said this morning the way you get that wisdom is looking at life, its experiences and circumstances through the eyes of God. We say we can't go to heaven and look through God's eyes at this world, no. But you have the Word of God through which we can look at life's affairs and give a right a heavenly a divine judgment as we are guided by the word of god now real wisdom in the bible is often set over against worldly wisdom you'll find that not only in the old testament and this book of Proverbs, but you'll find it in other passages of the Scripture. They seem to, uh, the wisdom that you get from the Word of God seems to glisten like diamonds in a pile of rubbish and dung. And so James tells us, even so, in James 3, verse 15 and 17, He also records for us, Solomon does, in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse number 18, as well as Paul writes about the same contrast in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 at verse 17 down through verse 30. So heavenly wisdom, divine wisdom, is often seen as set over against what we call worldly wisdom. And I think you can see the contrast even in our American society today as well as in European society. It is very evident. There is a contrast. There is a difference. Now Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 10 that worldly wisdom, that is worldly sorrow, worketh death. Worldly wisdom brings death. As contrasted to that, heavenly wisdom or, if you please, a godly sorrow, worketh repentance to salvation. So when you begin to see the, act, the very wisdom of God as revealed in the Word of God, you find that man's wisdom or worldly wisdom is only an accumulation of his tricks to preserve himself independently of God or revelation as to what God wants man to be. So, worldly wisdom, Paul said again, brings death. Heavenly wisdom brings life indeed. Now, heavenly wisdom is the application of the knowledge That you'll find in such books as the book of Job, the Book of Ecclesiastes, and the Book of First and Second Corinthians, as well as right here in the book of Proverbs. Heavenly Divine Wisdom. Worldly wisdom, I might add this, is the stock and trade of the American educational system. Worldly wisdom. Uh, For example, it is is condensed mostly uh, and, well, I could say almost completely from what is known and so-called as the Harvard five-foot-tall classics. In other words, Greek philosophy, not based upon the philosophy of the Word nor upon the principles of the Word of God. Now, worldly wisdom, I could add as well, produces the contemporary world situation. And what is that? It's pride, wrath, envy, war, uh, rumors of wars, jealousy, and so forth. But heavenly wisdom produces and brings about peace. And the only way we'll ever know peace in our own hearts is to know it as revealed in God's precious Word. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And yet when you look back at all the great philosophers whose names are considered great in uh, the world's history, not one of them ever feared God. Philosophers such as Hegel, Kant, Kierkegaard, Dewey, Plato, Spinoza, and we could name on and on the great philosophers that our American educational system is founded upon. And so what we need as Christians is to found our knowledge upon the Word of God. Now then. Solomon also says the purpose and that which is sought to be achieved is to know wisdom, notice this, to know wisdom and instruction. Now the word instruction here carries with it the very idea uh, with it which borders on uh, child discipline. That is the training up of a child. And so... Solomon is going to to instruct even how we're to deal with members of the family and especially children, the training of a child, by chastening and discipline so that that child can grasp the truth and the reality of the subject that God deals with in his word. How shallow then is man's knowledge. He rejects God's Word and he embraces the vain philosophies of not only philosophers but of science as well, so-called. He embraces all of those things and no wonder man has gone astray. No wonder he finds himself in such a mess in our contemporary world. When God is, is rejected, when the Bible is rejected, When God's commandments are rejected, it is little wonder to me that we're not in a bigger mess than we already are in. So here, that we can know wisdom and instruction. Notice he goes on. To perceive the words of understanding. Now this simply means the ability to grasp the words of the scriptures that with which the Holy Spirit teaches us. In other words instruction, understanding that ability to get hold of what God is saying. Now some of the modern liberal theologians they read the Bible and they never get out of it what the Lord's saying at all. They come up with some harebrained idea instead of just taking God at his word. When will we ever learn to do that? To just simply, when we hear God saying it in his word, we believe that, we embrace that, we put that into practice. But you know, man in his pride and arrogance has always known better than God. He knows better how to run this world. He knows better how to run his family. He knows better how to operate his community. He always knows better how to run his church. Instead of just taking God and His Word, we go along following the vain teaching and the empty teachings of man and we find ourselves in a great big mess. Now this word understanding also implies, as you'll find in the Bible, for example, in Job 28 and verse 28, that not only we love good, but we hate evil and you'll find that this word understanding implies a departing from the evil that is a departing from that which we know god has forbade and that god would in and that god instructs all that we would walk according to him i think it's not at all surprising that 20th century scientists and 20th century or 21st century educators manifest less true understanding of world, of world problems, perhaps more than any group since Pope Urban back in the 10th century, I think we indeed have, have shown that we just are not going to abide by what our Lord says. Now then, this understanding, the word understanding. Considered by a lot of modern folks as being, well, what shall I say, archaic. I mean, it's just out of date. So they come up with some better words than the Bible has. They don't like words like sin. The world doesn't like words like hell, or death, or judgment, or the word wicked, or the word lost, or even the word saved. Isn't it odd how even modern day preachers steer away from these old Bible terms which I'll guarantee you when I heard it as a boy I got under some old time conviction. I realized I was guilty of sin. I hadn't just made a mistake. And in the sight of God I was wicked. And in that wickedness I was deserving of judgment. And if I didn't repent the old preacher said you'll die and go to hell. So the truth is, we don't want to hear that in this day. We want something that kind of a self-help kind of uh, uh, of teaching and instruction. We want to improve ourselves. And yet if you improve yourself, you're going to die before long and go into eternity, and that's where you're going to be forever and ever. You could so improve yourself that you're, you're getting along just wonderfully well in this life this life is soon going to be over. So then he says to, uh, uh, to receive, the third thing, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Now, the instruction which wisdom gives is the sense of the words that you find in this passage, of, in this book of Proverbs. Notice. To receive instruction of wisdom and justice, judgment, And equity, do you see that? The word for justice comes from the Hebrew word which indicates the discernment of what is right and wrong. I know. We've been taught we live in a relative age. And there's no such thing as right and wrong. It's just either right for you and right for me or wrong for you and maybe not wrong for me. But neighbor, I've got news for you and I remind you of this. God has some absolutes. They are not not suggestions. They are commandments. No such thing as the ten suggestions from Mount Sinai. They're ten commandments. And a God who is sovereign has a perfect right to give commandments. And so uh, yet man... Doesn't want that, you know. Uh, he uh, he wants to be able, without God's word, to discern what he considers is uh, right or wrong. Discrimination is absolutely necessary in dealing with things that are similar, or in dealing with apparent things that are different. The word of God, uh, listen. One of the two. Uh, Uh, elements of learning is comparison and contrast. And when you compare what you're doing or contrast what you're doing uh, with the Word of God, boy, I tell you, Paul is right when he said, we have sinned and we have come short of the glory of God. Now, apart from God's Word, a man may not sense that. Now, that's what's wrapped up in this word equity. The word equity implies the ability for the wise man to tell when two things are balanced or they're unbalanced. And that comes from this book. that's the reason, folks, over and again I try to encourage you to get in the Word of God on a daily, daily basis. Get in the Word. That's the only thing that's going to save you from this generation and this present world that has gone so far astray and awry from God's precious Word. You know, no man can learn anything as he ought to know it, as long as he insists on making everything equal. (laughs) I mean, you're not going to find anything about balance and unbalance in that. And uh, Uh, Yet, our world tries to do that. Our world system now trying to put everything on an equal basis. That's the basis of the one world system and the one world thrust. Everybody's one, you see. We've got that in the military now. What is it? The new army slogan. We're an army of one. Well, that may be all right one way or the other, but I'll tell you... uh, (laughs) If you were in the military, you were an individual. I mean, not everybody got thrown in the brig when just one fella got drunk or misbehaved. Uh, that individual did. And yet the world's trying to bring about this thing of, of, of one. You know, well, I'm not going to get that. Let me move on. Lest I get into real, real trouble in saying some things that maybe I ought not to say. Well, equity, you know, making everything equal and the same. The religious world doing that. There's the thrust today of bringing everything together. The Protestants, the Catholics, the Jews, the Buddhists, the Hindus. Just everybody's one. Get them all under the same roof. You know, I don't understand when I hear some of these fellows talk, how in the world they ever thought this country survived 200 years and yet being so diverse, being so different? I don't understand that. And we're coming soon to the day where the religious world, they don't want Baptist, Methodist, and Presbyterian church or, or who would have it, Church. And uh, what whatsoever? Listen. It, the diversity in this country is what has made it great. Now, we respect the diverse opinions of others, uh, but and they have a right to their opinions, sure. But I, be- listen, I believe we're right. Do you? I believe that. I believe Baptists are right. If I didn't believe that, bless God, I'd join the Methodist. But the whole truth is, I believe that we adhere as close to the Bible of any... A, a religious denomination in this country. I'm talking about Bible believing Baptists. We've even got some now who are Baptists don't even believe the Bible. But nonetheless, equity. Notice further to give subtlety to the simple. This is a a, a a purpose of the Book of Proverbs. Now, this is the prudence that you'll find in the Book of Proverbs. The word prudence or the discretion which usually comes only with old age and experience is Uh many a youngster you know <laughs> many a kid doesn't think mom and daddy ever was a teenager they don't think they was ever there and had any teenage problems but I'm, we've been alone folks we've been there and we know how you think and we know what you're thinking that's an amazing thing that old age does to you. Isn't that right, Papa? I mean, he just does that to you. you. You learn from experience. And there are some things that you might warn a youngster about that you know is dangerous for him, but he doesn't see that. Why, he thinks you're the dumbest thing that ever walked on two feet. And yet, through experience, but that's the matter of prudence or discretion. Uh, that comes with old age and with experience and dealing with human nature. However, the Bible says here it's available to the young man. That element of discretion, that element of judgment, it is available to the young man. Notice what the verse says in verse 4, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Now, uh, A young fellow can be ahead of his time if he'll get in the book. If he'll let God speak to him and take God in his word and believe what God has said, I mean, you can be ahead. You may not be ahead in years, but you can be ahead in wisdom and discretion, in prudence if you get in the word and let God's word permeate your heart. The word subtlety here is the Hebrew word that implies, among other things, shrewdness. Shrewdness. Uh, that is uh, uh, the ability to slip through a, a situation without being trapped by wicked men or women. Now, when you read chapters in the Proverbs, that warns against, for example, the strange woman. The Lord gives shrewdness. He gives subtlety to the young man. He has never been in that situation with a harlot who uh, puts on the, uh, the front and who appeals to the young man and his hormones and his lust. He hadn't been through that, but God's Word tells us what ought to be done, how to avoid that very situation and that very tragedy in life. So the purpose, in the book of Proverbs, is to produce a chaste, pure, wholesome, godly young man of integrity, rather than the philosophy of the world that would teach him to be treacherous, deceitful, some kind of a playboy whose moral standards are based on what they call situation ethics. And that's just simply saying situation ethics is whatever the situation demands, you know. If the situation is such that you ought to be immoral, then go ahead and be immoral. So situation ethics comes in uh, and worldly philosophies, and they take precedence in the thinking of many a man and woman and young person over what God has given to us in His precious Word. Knowledge and Discretion. There's a, when you look at the word knowledge, that implies a storehouse of facts. But the word discretion has with it the idea of knowing what to do with those facts after you get them. And a lot of folks who have facts, but they don't have this element of discretion. And uh, yet God's Word will give you what to do and how to do when you gain such knowledge. Knowledge without discretion is like horsepower without any control. It's like jet propulsion without any stabilization. It is like heat without light. And I could add, it's like religion without salvation. Discretion. God's Word gives that. Oh, listen, I had religion a long time before I got for our sake, and some of you are in the same boat. You had religion, but yet God's word gives discretion. And I begun to understand when I heard God's word, the testimony of God, born again people. God helped me to understand through His word that I was a sinner, and when I rode to destruction. He gave discretion through His precious word now i've given you that bit of introduction to the book of proverbs and i hope as you read the book of proverbs this week and i hope you'll do some reading in proverbs and uh, you'll remember that the basic definition of wisdom is christ jesus our lord he gives wisdom he is wisdom he is to us wisdom in other words it is to him and through him that we make our judgments and decisions in life. God help us to be wise men and women and young people. And that wisdom will come. God's made it available in this precious old book. Let's bow for prayer, please.